Hello, Catching Up With Cub listeners. Just before we get into today's show, I have a very small favour to ask. If you love listening to Catching Up With Cub, we would love it if you left us a review. And you know, five stars would be amazing too. Your review helps other listeners find our podcast and it lets us know what you like to listen to. We read every single review, so thank you in advance. Now let's get to the show. Hello, legends, and welcome to today's show. Catching up with Cub, as always, is brought to you by Cub, the Club United Business, Australia's number one members club, connecting our country's top entrepreneurs and business leaders. And today, in celebration of our 100th episode, we catch up with a very special guest, a good friend of mine, and one of Cub's very first members, Jane Liu, the founder and CEO of Shopo. Jane is an inspiration to all entrepreneurs, telling us the story of how she went from being a corporate accountant to being the head of one of the most successful online fashion retailers here in Australia. Jane shared the story in intimate details, how she discovered fast fashion, being an early mover on social media, building up a huge community and brand, and all the lessons and, and stumbles she had along the way. It was such a fun and insightful conversation. Enjoy the show. Can you believe that we've known each other for seven years now? Yeah, wow. That's a lot. It's crazy. I mean, we lost a couple of years to COVID, yeah, but, yeah. you know, like. And a and couple of years and, and time being busy, like. I mean, you were getting married, having having a kid. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of stuff. <laughs> Lots yeah, happened. There's a Lots lot happened. happened. But like, we were just kids. <laughs> yeah, literally. I was 23. Yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah, I was 23. Do you remember like before Cub even opened, like the first, like I wasn't even like se- session or survey. It was just like me, you, Jeremy Cabral from Finder. Yeah. Emma Bloomfield, Elise, just like having drinks at the clubhouse. Yeah. Like we were the only members. And now it's like a full-blown, like it's, it's taken thing. over. You know, it's a thing, yeah. God. It's just so weird to think back at like how fast it goes and how far you've come. Like I said, yeah, you're you married with a kid and Shopo's like a fashion institution <laughs> at this it's point. Right. In time. But um, we've actually, I thought about it, we've never actually sat down uh, and spoken about your story together. So like, I got I got a lot of questions and like I want to find out a lot about Shopo and how you've grown it and some of the, you know, dig into some of the secrets of success that I think you did. Like, for example, your community of Shopo followers is is truly a community. Like they're, they're supporters of the brand and yeah, dig into that and, and that type of thing. But but why don't we just start with um, um, where you started your career because it wasn't fashion. No. Oh, my God. It was um, – I was an accountant. <laughs> Like the so, opposite to fashion. Oh, so just like I don't even know why. I mean, I mean, I do know why. It's what happens to so many like, Asi- like Asians and like other immigrants. You just have like a select amount of like jobs that you can like go for, like that, that your parents that you. have been like pre-approved by your parents. And so, um, you know, I got I've got I got this job at KPMG when I was eighteen, um, straight out of high school. So, and I think it was just like because it seemed so cool at the time, it kind of like, you know, we had Friday night drinks, we were wearing suits, felt exciting. I don't know why we, that felt really exciting when you're younger. And then, you know, having a permanent salary, it was just like all of that, I think probably like disguised how much I don't like the work. So like for the first couple of years, I was like loving it. Cause I was like, 
felt like I was living large. You know, when you're you're 18, you're like at Ryan's bar and you're like- I'm grown up. This is I got sick. a wage. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then like I moved into like um, corporate finance, which is just like, you know, everyone says- it's like meant to be this a sexier, like it's a sexier department within an accounting firm. I went to EY, but I I just like, honestly, I didn't really understand what was going on. I don't know how I stuck around for a year. I don't think anyone knows. I, just like, I don't even, I can't even tell you what I did. I can't even describe to you what the job does. Like I just hated it, <laughs> tiptoed my way around like and and I think also when you're not good at something, it's really like demotivating as well. And then we hit, we go into the um, global financial crisis. So it's a bit of a depressing time. Like my two favorite managers got me redundant and I was like, who's going to protect me now? <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's interesting because like yeah, a global financial crisis, like something bad happened, people got fired. But like because that happened, I'm assuming it's going to have led to you being like, okay, I'm going to go out and do my own thing. I was thing. like, let me just let me, let me quit before they fire me. Yeah. <laughs> Strategic. Yeah. Should have waited for a redundancy. That would have been better. Could have been seed capital, but, you know, damn it. And so did you, so, so did you leave and were you like, um, oh, okay, I'm going to start my own business? Well, or? so at the time, um, oh, actually, so I never even wanted to start a business. It was my ex-boyfriend, um, he wanted to, um, you know, he's from Europe. He came came in talking about like starting a business, traveling. I never even like really had an interest in traveling before I met him. Um, and I guess like because he keeps harping on about it, like, you know, ideas of it start manifesting in my head and all of a sudden now I want to start a business two years later. Um, and then one of my friends actually approached me and said, let's start a business together. And then she, she actually did get made redundant from Macquarie Bank. So she was like, let's just do it. So she had some seed capital or no? No, but she's just like, no. no. I, I don't <laughs> um, but yeah, so then she she was like, let's just start a business. I'm like, okay, let's do it. I don't care what it is. And that's like probably where the first we went wrong. Like didn't really care what, I didn't care what the business was. I didn't care what the business model was. I was like, just wanted to do it. And I think like, she never started, it should never start. This is like a bad story because it all worked out, but like you should never start a business just for the sake of it. And also because you don't want a boss. Um, Cause you know, I feel like, I don't know if you ever feel like this. I feel like everyone's my boss right now. Like every team member, I work for all of them. Like I've got like a hundred plus bosses now. But I completely agree. I'm going to keep everyone happy. But um, anyway, so we ended up, this, the business being like we were running pop-up stores. So, you know, the art house, it was like hotter back then, um, back in the days. So art house and then a place on Campbell Parade in Bondi, we opened up these pop-up stores, but it was like manual labor, putting every, it was putting everything in there from my parents' garage into a van that we hired and then into like, bar for a day like we barely and you would just sell clothes retail from yeah there. and like it was like a market store but like instead of every market every person setting up their own thing like we would set up like 45 different brands and the one bar you know we didn't make that much but then from there I could see that the only thing that was selling was we actually like my so my mom went to China and she just bought back a bunch of like ten dollar samples and then we also just bought like you know there's like ten dollar stores in the city that just sell at like I think they sell like things that the wholesalers can't sell 
Um, so I was just buying things for like $10 and then just like re- at retail and then just reselling that for 70 bucks. <laughs> um, so which, you learned the power of, of and I was I like, placement of the product. Well, and, but then I also saw that that price point was where the money was because we were selling things from 70 to like 350 and like once in a while you'd be able to sell something at a higher price point. But it's also, but like for me, it's like obviously things at three at different price points sell, but for the level of marketing and branding that you can afford and you can, you know, it has to fit. And I didn't realize that's what fast fashion was, but I kind of knew then that's the market that I wanted to play in. And then we also, from doing all of that manual work, I wanted to build a website um, and actually spent a month like, Anyway, so, and then I resigned. So we started doing this. I was working full time and doing this part, like doing this after hours on weekends. It was just really draining. Um, But then at one point I was like, I'm going to quit, focus on this full time and spend that first month while I, when I resigned, um, building a website. And I took photos of like a thousand different products in my parents' garage, like crazy, build it on Wix, which is like, Oh, my God. Was the, Wix around back then? Back then. But then I realised that Wix at the time was on, like, Flash, so it was not, like, mobile. Um, what do you call it? Yeah, like mobile-friendly Friendly, website. Yeah. <laughs> like, anyway. But the worst part about it was the fact that my business partner at the time, so she went on holidays, came back, and I was like, look, I built this website. She was like, nah, I don't want to do it anymore. I'm, I'm done. I want to go back to my corporate job. I think she like enjoyed the good life on holidays and she was like, I can't, I don't want to do startup life anymore. Um, and so she was like, I'm going to fold business. I'm like, come on, look at this website. This thing has legs. She's like, no one shops online. I'm like, just look at the website. She's like, I mean, it's, she literally said to me a month before I started Shopo with the, as an online store that no one shops online. <laughs> Anyway, was it called Shopo when you were setting up the um, – No, oh, like my the, God. It was called ret- Fat Boy Group. <laughs> I know. Like, Why? Because um, I basically <laughs> said that that was my nickname in high school and she's like, oh, my God. And not my not my formal nickname, just with my best friend. Like not like everyone called me Fat Boy. Yo, fat, fat I, I think boy. I would have like complexities and, you know, issues if I – if that was the case. But anyway, she was like, oh, I love that. Fat boy, you know, think about the slogan, where would fat boy take you? And I'm like, yeah. I was just like, yeah, that's great. Anyway, um, not all good I- – not all ideas have to have good origins. Not all ideas are good. Anyway, but so she basically wanted to fold the business and I didn't have the confidence to do the business by myself. Um, and so – that was it. And so all of a sudden I like had, you know, even though I complain about this job, like this, it's a really good job in corporate finance at Ernst & Young, like one of the big four accounting firms, like I think a thousand people went for that role and we were like, I was one of six, you know, like it's, it's a good job. And it was kind of like everything I was aspiring to when I was working hard in high school. Um, And then all of a sudden I was an unemployed in the middle of the global financial crisis, I was in debt because we lost money with the business. Um, I had to pay my hex debt. I also, when I left KPMG, they gave me like a 16K allowance, which I had spent that they wanted back because I went to EY. And so I had that to pay back. And I was like, oh, I'm fucked. Um, and then, so I had no, and because it was in the middle of the global financial crisis, I couldn't get, like no one was hiring. People were just trying to like let, let people go. They're not hiring. Like anyway, so by default I had nothing else to do but to start another business. And so 
because I had now gotten skills in like, or an experience, I guess, in retail, it just seemed like the natural progression. Well, actually, no, it wasn't. Sorry. I lie. At the time I was like, no, the last thing I'm going to do is retail. I didn't realize this. <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. I failed. See, this is the mentality. Like it's a, such a, such a wrong mentality. But at the time I'm like, no, that's not for me. I failed at it. As opposed to thinking like, well, actually you've just learned so much and invaluable lessons. Yeah. I learned the price point of which I want to sell at seventy to three hundred. Without realizing, I learned that I can purchase something for ten dollars and sell it for well, seventy. Well, no, it's, you know, it doesn't cost ten dollars. I wish. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> no, but, but back, but you you bought something for yeah. cheaper from a store, an existing store, repositioned it in a new environment and sold it for more, and people were willing and, to pay that. And also the online, like that, I wanted to do this online because it's more scalable than doing bricks and mortar. Um, and then so. What was the online environment like back then though? Was there wasn't much. There was only like, I, at the time, I think there was like Nasty Girl, ASOS. That was pretty much it in that space. But at the time I was like, I can't just start an online store. Like it seemed saturated at the time. Like with hindsight, there's like a million stores now. But at the time it didn't, it felt like I was still late to the game. Yeah. Which is an interesting insight because. It just shows you like you weren't. Mm. And also, but what made you confident that online was the way to go? Because. No, but I, so I don't think I even at the time knew that online was the right choice necessarily. It was the only thing that I could afford. Yeah. Because okay. I couldn't just like, entrance. I couldn't just like open. We a store. Exactly. We mm. ended up, did, we did open the store eventually, <laughs> but. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. We had like kind of like three stores at one point. Really? Um, God, that was a high pitch. Really? I hope that yeah, is. Really? <laughs> <laughs> but um, no. And then, oh, I have to, and also probably I've told you this before, but like the worst part was also when I quit my job, I couldn't tell my parents. Cause like, <laughs> I mean, I'm an only child. They've like, you know, had immigrated to Australia from China for me, you know, worked really hard so that I could like, have a bright future. And I'm like, oh, I'm unemployed. And I, so anyway, I couldn't tell and you them. you threw out a high power job that you were, you know, six people out of a thousand had gotten yeah, in this like, top team. Exactly. <laughs> in the multinational corporation. I don't know. And it, anyway, and then so I was living at home still. So I actually just pretended to go to work in my suit for the first six months. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that story. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> anyway, so I was like, I have to make this work. Otherwise I'm pretty far. And what was the point that when you told them, we, we, like, how did they find out that you're I think well did you get it established first or did probably, they catch you one day they probably like knew on some level I think <laughs> at some point so the first six months I had absolutely no idea they thought I was working and then Waldy um who's my partner he moved down to Sydney from Brisbane so um and so he got an apartment because he got a job at Macquarie Bank and and he was your partner at that point. Uh, yeah. Oh, so you and Waldy have been together for a long time. Yeah, we've met like before before Fatboy, before Shopo. Oh, really? Yeah, we met in Sweden on exchange. No way. Yeah, so random. That is. And yeah. was it, and it, he was because he's working. He's at Shopo now. Yeah, he's he? now. Um, oh, he's just recently been promoted. <laughs> he's actually. I always. This is so bad. He's gonna hate me talking about this. I'm like. Neither of us have ever been promoted because he's just been working as like he because he's just switched a few roles every mm. time, like from investment banking to private equity. And then he was in strategy and planning at Uber. And then I approached him. Um, and then so anyway, he hasn't really been promoted. I've never been promoted either because I've, I've also switched roles and then 
went straight so from you the finally, first CEO. You finally he finally yourselves. he came in as a um, CFO and data like managing the data team. And now he's our general manager. So congratulations, Baldy. <laughs> I'm like, can you believe you're the general manager of a fashion company? Like you see how badly he dresses. So I made him actually, I was like, if you want this promotion. So he, since the last lockdown, so for context, what, what is it? January now or Feb. And then he, um, last lockdown was July, June, but then he probably got his previous haircut April. It's been that long. I'm like, if you want this promotion, also, there's no pay rise. It's just more work. Um, if you want this promotion and I need you to do it, please, please. Get, I'm, I booked him into a hairdresser and made him get a haircut. I'm like, you can't be the general manager of a fashion company looking like that. I want you to get a haircut so bad, I will literally let you run the company. company. You just yeah. get a haircut. Please, man. Uh, I actually, even from the hairdresser, called me and she, he was trying to convince her to make a man bun thing happen. I'm like, no, Sue, just do it. Just chop it off. That's incredible. And anyway, we don't, we've gone on a tangent. And how was – trust me, that's not that's pretty regular on this <laughs> show. I was telling Laura – actually for the listeners, you, you'll know by the time you're hearing this, but this is the 100th episode. Yeah, woohoo! Yeah, it's a big deal. That's why we, we, we had to bring some big guns this episode. Oh, so, thank you. Someone, uh, of course, very special – all of our guests are special, but someone also very special to cover. The most special, wine. the most fun. Yeah. You can say it. <laughs> but you, you, you got to. I said when, when I was texting you saying, "Hey, come on the podcast," I, I said to you, "Like you're so special to Cub because you are part of the founding story of Cub, and you were also such a supporter of me at the very beginning." Because when you came to Cub, you already had Chopa was already. Um, super successful. Everybody already knows, knew Chopo and your story was great. And Cub was, you know, I was 23 and Cub was just, you know, didn't even know what, what it was. Actually, we started the businesses in the same way. You were kind of, what did you say? You said, I don't care what it is, but I just, I, I wasn't going to start a business. Yeah. I actually, I, you said that that's not, that's not a good way to start a business, but I disagree. I think it is. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I did that. I was like, I, Cub now, you know, is not what it was then. I just, knew I wanted to start a business and I just did it and I just figured out what figured out figured how to out make it the work. way yeah. and it's like you want to act fast learn fast fail fast yeah. and just like just get M- MVP out and just like pivot test yeah and I think just no one ever starts it's like if you start and you kind of like tell everyone that you what you're doing you just don't have to do it yeah you're stuck yeah you have to do it now because yeah. you don't want to you don't want to like fail either so you're working real hard to, yeah. to, to keep going I, I think it's I think it's key. anyway that was the choice that's why you're our most special guest oh. on the hundredth episode. But but it's also been a hundred hours of me just talking to my friends who own businesses. Yeah, <laughs> it's like imagine That's how many, how many conversations there's been. It's, it's so cool. Yeah, it's, it's just been so fast. <laughs> but and we started it as kind of not marketing, but just like as a way during COVID to help business owners to share stories of business mm. owners. But you've like what you did at Shopo, and I, I want to continue on with the story as well of how it started developing. But what you've done at Shopo with building the brand mm. and building that market is something I want to talk about. Um, that that marketing and building that community, mm-hmm. even your team culture is yeah. amazing. I've been in your office many times over the years, and just the team culture is amazing. And so that's something we'll talk about that after, though. We keep going. I want to keep going with the story. <laughs> I want to keep the, keep the jot it down. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. His little my little note, my little interview book. <laughs> but um, yeah, so so uh, Shopo's going by that point. How did you kick off? What was the what were what were the kickoff steps? Um, 
As in like the moments How'd where you start? it's taken like, off. Yeah. Oh, well, so I actually had a business, I again had a business partner because I didn't feel, I still didn't feel confident enough doing it by myself. And, you know, with hindsight, there was probably only six months where I was really doing it solo because then I had Durka, our general manager, and then Waldy's now come in. So I've always, I think I like to work with people and I feed off people. But anyway, that's not wasn't the question. So, okay, so I'm unemployed. <laughs> and I'm like feeling sorry for myself. I had a friend who might, and this is, this is the entrepreneurial community back then. Like I had one friend who had his own business and isn't not like, not like us. I think he, it's, he's a, like a Chinese kind of business, business guy. man. Like yeah. Yeah, what you think of. But business. he had, yeah. And it's just like, anyway, but so he was like doing really well, very successful, very smart. And I was like, maybe I can just like, I'll hit him up. Like, and just see, maybe he can offer me a job because who else is going to give me a job and I can learn how to like start a business like him. I can, um, you know. Yeah, learn from him. Yeah. He'd be a good mentor. Exactly. And then, you know, so I had coffee with him and he kept being like, oh, you should speak to my friend. She, I think she's gonna, she would love to do something like this with you because she already had experience. Um, she was already had a business in fashion that was successful, but she, he was like, you know, you should do the, do the store, the retail brand with her. I think you guys would be great. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like I told her to retail. Like I just failed. And also, you know, when people can say you should, at this point when I was younger, I just didn't think it would go anywhere. So I finally, I was like, all right, let me just meet this friend. Cause I want to seem like I'm open to ideas, met her. And we just hit it off straight away. Like we just like, we're instant best friends. Um, and then we got drunk one night and then we're like, let's do it. Let's start show pony. That's the, Literally the story of the origin story of every great idea. We got drunk, drunk one night. Yeah. And it just like find the bitches drinking wine. That was like me and Jen getting drunk. I think we were at Cub probably. Yeah, yeah. I remember that we we hosted the first event was at Cub as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so we but even coming home that night, I, I was like, oh my God, like need to do this. This is my one like you know, my glimmer of hope. So I went home and now I had learnt, I knew how to build websites, kind of. I wasn't, not, not build them. Well, self-taught, you taught yourself. Yeah, and it wasn't building. It's like, you know, it's like, I, it was on Big Cartel. So it's like on Facebook where you upload this. I think I, it was more of my MySpace experiences of having like, you know, one of those people that had the galleries, the music. <laughs> anyway, so I was like, I'm going to build, because she already had her own successful business. I didn't want her to change her mind. Um, I wanted to show her that I was capable because I'm like, well, I had a failed business. She already probably saw the PR that we got and was like, actually, she's got something she can – she understands brand better than – like, not better, like, she she has something that – Yeah, she knows how to get other. some attention, yeah. We, we compliment each other. And so um, went home that night pissed and just, like, started building this website. So the, by the next day I was like, look, we have a website. That weekend we went and um, took some photos. We found a – we had a model um, because I, from the previous business, I knew uh, we had events, so I knew some models. She had a photographer contact. Um, everything was done just like for contracts. We didn't have money. It was just all done for like some of our stock. Um, she had access to a, a wholesaler that was able to sell to us on consignment, which meant we didn't have to pay for anything until after it sold. So, and that's your biggest investment. Like it'll be stock and it'll, it'll be marketing. Um, and then at this point we were just like on Facebook and we made our first sale within the week and it was like a model's, the model's friend. But then, you know, that's what it is. Like that's how you start getting your name out there. Um, 
And so this is at a time when Facebook marketing wasn't really like, this is like the big companies weren't doing it. They didn't really get social media. They didn't believe in social media. And it was at a time when like organic Facebook um, reach was good, was still existent. (laughs) And so that was great. Um, And so I guess we just kind of like, it, it, you know, started growing from there doing. What what do you think about it though? So, so basically what do you think about it made it pick up and start becoming successful? Do you think it was the fact that you were doing the, you know, the social media at a time when no one else was and, and what you were putting out or the content you were putting out was good or why do you think it picked up so well? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a bit of everything. So, I think at the time my business partner was probably she's like the creative eye, so she um, knows more about fashion, and you know she was kind of like putting together like the shoots and that kind of stuff. And I learned so much from her in that time. And then so, you know, I think everything looked great, um, and which I sorry that sounds obvious, but like you know back in the day, it's not everything did yeah. right back in two thousand um, and ten. It was before like Instagram, like making pictures look beautiful. So pictures were probably ugly online. If you had a beautiful picture, yeah, great. It probably made a big difference. And I remember, um, oh my god, I was out with one of my friends, and we used to like we used to live in Darlinghurst too, and like it used to be the place we used to like you know be you go from city drinks to the, to the cross, and we'll stop at like mine for like drinks in between. And then he showed me my first meme. This is like, and then we spent all night looking up memes. Didn't even make it to like the cross. And I was like, wow, these are so funny. Like this is back when it's like angry Asian dad, awkward um, penguin, like literally those. The first memes. Yeah. And I'm like, we should be sharing this on Facebook. And then we started like doing all that meme content, which gave us so much reach we started doing like um, competitions, like, you know, and it was at a time when like other people just weren't doing it. And I think I just knew Facebook really well because back when I was hating my job at EY, I was just on Facebook all the time. I think EY was like the only company that had Facebook because they were using it as a recruitment tool. I was like, yes. It's like on Facebook like 97% of the time. And so. It's actually, sorry to interrupt, it's actually kind of crazy how everything happens for a reason. For a reason, yeah, life. when you like, look it's back. It's really weird when you look back. Everything's yeah. like, oh, yeah, that happened because it is. Yeah, exactly. And then, like, I, I think part of it was also the fact that, like, I think we the name Show Pony, because it's such a it, – well, this kind of backfired a little bit. It's such a common turn of phrase um, that it sounds like it's already a thing because I don't think people necessarily, like, use the word Show Pony in their everyday life – but it already sounds like an established thing. So when you hear show pony, you're like, oh yeah. And then we also had the physical stores. And so we had a physical, we had a landline. And so this at a time when, um, you know, people didn't trust online shopping that much, it gave it that credibility um, that you can like go to the store and touch the products and, or it's real. Like, you know, you can go, if you want to return something, you can come down the store and like yell at me. Yeah. That's really interesting though. The fact that like, at that time, the trust wasn't there online holding. Yeah. So the fact that you did have the stores was a huge benefit because, yeah, if they wanted to return it, well, I know where to find Or I'm exactly. upset, I know where to find you. And then we also had um, – oh, it was also like we had this modeling modeling competition that saw us gain from 3,000 to 20,000 followers in a month and it was free. Um, and, you know, a lot of people have done similar since, since things since then. But What was the competition? Um, just the opportunity to model for us. And so, it, so 
girls on social media would post photos yeah. of themselves modeling. Yeah. And you guys would choose. No, we got people to vote for them. And then so by voting, you had to like the, it was when there was Facebook fan gate, which meant still on, which meant that you had to like the page in order to engage, like the photo and to vote for it. And so I think it was a really great early mover advantage to be one of the first people to have done that. Um, yeah. So now with 20,000 followers, a strong name, I think like show pony, um, a store, like two stores, actually, it was just, I think it just had a lot of credibility. And then also I was trying to do like fashion PR. Um, we couldn't afford PRs. So it was trying to, I was trying to do it by myself. Um, but we couldn't, I think as a retail store, because we didn't, we were not designing, you don't, don't really have anything unique to offer. So we weren't really getting picked up on any PR angles. And so the only thing that was getting picked up was business PR and people loved it. I was like, you know, growing up feeling like, oh, I don't fit in, you know, being a foreigner. Um, kind of like it was a great time to be a Chinese female starting a business in Australia. So it was great. Like I was, you know, ticking all the diversity buckets. So Anyway, we've got a lot of PR. So having a face behind the brand, I think also gives her that credibility. So I think all those things working together, um, none of it was like planned. There was no business plan to be like this, that, this, tick, 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 you know, like it, yeah. when you but look back. But there's a lot of lessons that like listening to it, you know, people can learn like, yeah, okay, first mover on, on certain things and being early is a good one. But like even the fact that, um, you know, you were doing your own PR, you were trying for one thing, but you noticed that this was working better mm. or like your competitions on Facebook, like just it really you're, what you're doing is you're just activating uh, a community. Mm. Like you're just getting people involved with the brand and you're getting people wanting to be there. Like you, know, you can still do these things. Yeah. Like, cub, like for example, we'd be horrible at, at that type of stuff. We've never done any uh, – We like we could really firm – I could learn a lot from you in terms of like – firming up our outside of cub community, like, you know, our digital community, our online kind of community, because it's like you seem to just have like a really big talent <sighs> for for not just that, but like like your you, I think it was your second business partner, she, she noticed that you knew how to get attention. Mm. Like you knew you you have this gift. I, I actually <laughs> still myself can't put my finger on it, but you've got this gift of like you, you kind of have the spotlight. I'm like the hype girl. Yeah. Like I even yeah. like my vicious. I'm like, girl. Jen is like, you'll you'll get it done and I'll just hype it up. <laughs> and how, like, what do you think, what goes through your mind when you're like, okay, I want to hype something or like, how, how, do, do you have any like thought processes towards it or is it just natural? Like you're just like, okay, this is what we're doing. Reach yeah, out to I mean, I think it's, 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 it is quite organic, um, which I think it's probably harder these days as well um, because at the time everything was just like there were so many opportunities because people weren't doing it. There was like this like – Everything was new. Yeah. It's like the people who got on TikTok early, you know, like, damn it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think it's like finding – I think What's it's like fun? understanding what, what your customers want. Yeah, that's it because you connect so well with your customers – like your mm. customers are like this community. And when you look at Shopo, you literally see them. Like if I was like a Shopo, like I was <laughs> like a customer and I was one of those, uh, one, a client of yours. Like when I'm on your page, yours personally, but also the 
um, like sh- comp- the showbos page, you like see yourself. It like speaks to you. Like it's so oh, clear. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, I just reckon it's so <laughs> clear. It's, you know who your customer is, what they value, what they like to do, you know, what they think. Showpo to me, when I look at it and when I'm on their like Instagram, it's just all about having fun, like ha- enjoying life, like getting dressed up and, and being with your friends and being a bit silly and like that's basically all young women, mm-hmm. like most young women mm-hmm. and giving them an outlet to like, you know, it's kind of like drink a Coke. What's that Coke thing? Like when you're happy, like, you know, when you're happy, you have a Coke. Like they align like themselves. Like connecting with, the emotion. Yeah. yeah you, you, I feel like that's what you do. It's kind of like yeah, having fun, Chopo. Like that's the brand. I love that we it. That's our fun. brand. It's like fun, confident, empowering. Yeah, confident. Inclusive. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Like I, I get those and I'm not even the demographic, but like <laughs> I get them. Like and that's – I guess that's kind of what you did so well. And you did it first, which of course helps, but like there's a lot of people that would have been trying to do a similar thing at the time that just didn't nail nail <laughs> their customer as, as, as well as you did. I think the hard thing is probably like I think it's all about taking risks – because I think if it's already been done, because a lot of people are like, oh, this looks really obvious. I should like, we should like, by the time something sounds like that you feel secure that something is a good idea, it's been done. And so you're not going to get yeah. that like um, exponential growth or like. It's not special It's anymore. not special. Yeah, it's not it's, special. It's, Therefore it doesn't like, get the attention. Exactly. You got to take a risk and it could, it could fail, but I think it's, that's when it'll really pay off. Yeah, I, no, I fully, I fully agree. And also, you embodied the brand yourself. Like you were the brand. Yeah, oh, you know, yes. like you, I kept like creeping up our demographic by age. <laughs> I, I, a few years ago, I gave up. I'm like, no, I'm now too old. <laughs> but the brand evolved though with you because, like, hmm. you know, it definitely has. Because I mean, I've seen the brand change over time in, in certain ways. Like, for example, when you were getting married. You had the wedding. Wedding, yeah. That, that wasn't there before, was it? No. Um, yes, we launched we launched um, wedding dresses, like affordable wedding dresses, $200, $300 wedding dresses. At the same time I got married, so then I wore one of our wedding dresses. Yeah, it's just like it's it's cool because it's like the, the people that – well, I mean your, your customers obviously grew up with you as well, like yeah. at the same age. So as they're going – like you're, you're, you still serve them. Like, you know, yeah. as you're progressing, they're progressing and therefore the brand is also progressing with them. It's yeah. like this really cool – it's just such – I think that's so special. I, I think that's really what I think is the most special thing. But I feel like know. now i got to like – just so our customer doesn't – like our demographic doesn't age, I'm just going to keep myself young. I'll just <laughs> keep myself under 30. But um, um, and, and now also with having Lockie, your son, mm-hmm. um. And Waldy <laughs> with his new haircut running. Yes. Yeah. That's <laughs> he's gonna I'm like, what did you talk about on the podcast? Your haircut. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't mention you once. <laughs> Has that been hard for you um to kind of have you let go at all? Have you tried to separate a bit or you're still just as active, involved in the brand as you were before? Um Definitely, I feel even more involved with the brand now. Um, we basically, during co- I, so when I was pregnant during COVID, I think I had a like an identity crisis. Not like not I'm just, I'm I'm using big words to for effect, you know. 
like, but I was like, boom, boom. Boom, boom. <laughs> duh, duh, duh. you can like use this for sound bites. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had a trailer. I had an identity crisis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am. Um, <laughs> no, because I was like, for me, it was like me in the office with my rosé on, um, rosé on tap, with, surrounded by like, you know, my, t- like I sit in the middle of the floor with the team, like there's no corner office. Um, and then going out for drinks and, you know, doing things all the time and then being heavily involved with the team too. We actually started working, you know, working, everyone working from home, just like in my living room, pregnant, um, no, like in lockdown, like I couldn't drink also really big Stressful. Thing. Oh my God. <laughs> like the one thing you want to do. Right. And then also we hired at that point, some senior, um, people to come and run the teams. And then I kind of was in a way, I felt a bit sidelined from the business because you want to empower people to run their teams. But, um, I felt like then I was, <laughs> I was a CEO and like, I don't know if I like being the CEO. I actually like being in the business, in the business, doing stuff like, yeah. And I, and I realized that wasn't, and I probably at the time, like I look back, just probably didn't love it that like, you know, and it's, it's hard at the time to realize what it was because it was COVID as well. There's the problems with the business that came with COVID as well. Um, and then, and the not drinking, you know, <laughs> so, and the lock, not being with friends, so it was it was tough, and now I'm like heavily involved with the teams again, and I love it. Yeah. Like I'm. I yeah. remember we had uh, this was before COVID, obviously, but we had lunch in Woolloomooloo, and I remember you saying to me that like this was at the point where you were saying, "Oh, look, we've you know we've brought in this exec team, and mm. we're bringing in the exec team," and this was when Waldy was the CFO or, or, mm-hmm. or whatever was happening. And you said to me, you were like, I actually feel like a little bit bored in the sense. Like, yeah. I, you know, I'm like I haven't, I'm not, you know, this, I'm kind of the CEO. Like what did you do in yeah. lockdown? I'll tell you about all the shows I watched. Yeah. <laughs> like. <laughs> but like it, it, it's just cool. Again, it just shows how much you embody hmm. the brand and the company And we have itself. such a flat structure at work. Like I love, and I think that's what, you know, being a hundred person plus business, like such a flat structure. Like I'd like to be able to like, Get without like without getting into the weeds, without um, helicoptering, like really be part of like the, the planning, the marketing campaigns, and like being part of the buying sign off and being the design workshop. Like it's I've never been actually I haven't been this involved since like seven years, eight years. That's so cool. And you know what though, it's like a really cool natural progression because because you have now because you got like it's so big that you brought in this, uh, what do you call it, like grown-up exec team Yeah, that you, like, the, you know, the company's in good hands. Waldy's also, um, you know, there mm. in your stead. You're able to then kind of relinquish that type of stuff and then get into the business and do what you love. And yeah. like, that, I'm sure that frees you up time to do more of what you love. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's Yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah, it's this cool cycle. <laughs> and how do you think, like – you like what do you think you you guys do that creates such a good team culture because i've been to your like i said last time i went to your office was when we did our first ever tv commercial 
and <laughs> you you were in it and we're at your office. Yeah. And and um I have like every time I've come to your office, it's everyone's just having it looks like everyone's having fun. It's based like again, it's the brand. Everyone's just having a laugh, they're having fun, but they're working mm-hmm. uh really hard. And what do you think you do that makes a great team culture? Or how would you describe the culture of your company? Oh, yeah, I think every, it's high performance and everyone is has has a lot of fun. I mean, definitely not as fun. Like it's definitely not the same since COVID, you know, because you don't have like everyone in the office. But I think like for a business that is mostly working from home, like it's great. Like everyone, we have our teammates and then the, like everyone gets – like we had drinks last night and I was really worried about losing my voice for the podcast, but I think it's back. Great. Um I think it's just about hiring like-minded people. Um, and so it's if you hire the right people, the right managers um, that are aligned, they will then hire great people. And I think it's really important. I mean, I feel a bit like a phony saying this, like it's important to fire fast because the a wrong person, a bad person can be like a cancer in the business, but I'm really not good at that. I couldn't agree more. I hate, I'm very emotionally attached and I don't want to do that, but I know how important it is. Yeah, I couldn't know, but I couldn't agree more with you because, I mean, we've seen it. We've seen it a few times, even at Cub. If someone's there and you like them, but they, they're not they're, they're not there for the right reason. They're culturally, they're, they're damaging. Yeah. It spreads through the team. Yeah. And the second that you... I mean, I've never had an issue getting rid of them, <laughs> but, but removing them because because uh, my priority is the rest of the team and mm. the company as a whole. And I've always seen it as like, okay, that person's hurting everyone else. They've got to they've got to be gone. But it, it's amazing how that one person, even if they're not in the same office as other people mm. or they, they haven't got much to do with other people, it still spreads. It, it, it can still be poisonous. And I, I think a manager's job above all else is ensuring that everybody is – I guess, uh, um, like culturally aligned. Yeah, you know they all share the same. Absolutely. Well, and team we actually and have three people in people and culture, which I think is actually a lot for a um, like not a lot like good for us, but like very uncommon for a business our size. Yeah, it because is. we really invest in people and culture. So what's people? So what you got a people and culture department? Yeah, we have head of people and culture. Um, That's and then, cool. And then we have um, a talent acquisition specialist. So like an essentially an in-house recruiter, but it's more, she's more than just, you know, recruitment. Like it's, she works on the um, employer brand as well. And just really builds up, unlike a recruiter, like really builds up a pipeline of like talent for us. And I think the best thing about, since having her, I think I feel more confident about, we, we, we are able to get good talent. So you don't have to worry about you know. Yeah, we've been thinking about doing that too. We've mm. been thinking about having just an in-house. What did you call it? Talent acquisition. Yeah, we've we've always an in-house recruiter, but in-house talent acquisitions because, I mean, that's the hardest part. It's just finding the right people, people to join. Yeah, it's, it, if and any, then you can you you feel more confident to be able to fire fast if you know that you can get good people again. Yeah, yeah, exactly, hundred percent. And and sometimes you hire because I mean I don't anymore, but I certainly learned the lesson. I was talking to. Um, one of our the head of our C, the CBD club, and sometimes like you feel desperate to hire someone, you need someone, so you hire someone that you don't, you're not a hundred percent confident in. You're like, mm, oh, they, and that's always a bad decision. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you have multiple people that are great, 
Yes. A great, you know, they're all potential, great potentials. Then you're really being more selective in the sense that like you're going to hire someone that's probably going to have a higher likelihood of succeeding exactly. with the company and being happier. And because ultimately a business is the people that are in it. Like that's what separates, that's the difference between one business to another. Like That is the business. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's other fashion retailers, yeah. you know, and there's other leadership communities, yeah. but there's no other fashion retailer that has your team and culture, mm. your people and culture. That is what the business is. Exactly. And then you have the owner who works for everyone else, like you said, yeah. making sure everyone else is, you know, they've got, got jobs, getting paid, everyone's happy, that, you know, we've got good people and culture and, yeah. you know, everyone's supported and and have, um, uh, you know, a, a path, path of progressions and it really is. My, when my dad used to like talk about leadership, he used to like draw a triangle and he'd be like, that's how most people look at leadership and then he'd draw the triangle upside down and he goes, that's actually how it how it is, mm-hmm. you know, the, the 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 top of the triangle is actually at the bottom, yeah. you know, and it's everyone else at the top. Yeah. I, I, that's kind of what you were describing. Absolutely. Yeah. That's cool. And so, I mean, how big did you get before you had a people and culture um, department? Oh, well, we actually quite early, like we had a – That's interesting. I mean, we had a head of people and culture before, well, probably like five years ago when she was – it was she was the only person in the department, but that that was a title she had. She was head of like herself. Yeah, but that's but, cool. That's that's all you need. Like that's all Cub would have, for example. So before we hired her, and so she was doing a lot of the recruitment. Before we hired her, we probably had like fifteen people in the business, and we grew to forty. And like that year, like our our business flew, um, and so we needed to be able to support that. We've definitely also have overhired at times. You know, like everyone does that. Um, sometimes you put people you you use. Hiring to solve problems, but then you just like I don't think like having a lot of people is necessarily the right solution because you just have a lot of people managing a lot of people like a lot more extra processes, and it's like maybe you just need to prioritize and some things don't get done. Yeah. Um. But anyway, the point is that this is back in like, yeah, I think. So it was oh, early it would have on. Been around when Club started. That yeah. Was, so that was pretty early on, like, which is really interesting. Like even for me, it's like, well. Yeah, we have around 20 uh, – the team's around 20 people. You know, that's not too early to have a people and culture person mm-hmm. because, well, A, we're hiring a lot of people at the moment and we've never been fantastic at, at recruitment mm-hmm. and I've never enjoyed using recruiters either, unfortunately. Uh, there are some good ones. We've got a lot of members who are amazing recruiters. But um, but um, we, we've just never – Oh, I've got a good story. I just remembered a great story. <laughs> Could you save me there? Sorry. No, my HR manager resigned when I was in labor. And then he's like, hey, can we call? Can, can we speak? I'm like, sorry, I'm just in like early stage labor right now. <laughs> and then he's like, and then he texted to Waldy, who's like obviously sitting next to me as I'm in labor. And like, he's also in labor. And, and yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, great. Anyway, we didn't find the right person. We have the best person head of PNC now, we didn't find her for like months. It felt like six, what was it? Yeah, six months. And then I realised, so I was already like not enjoying just being the CEO. Now we were the CEO and head of people and culture, dealing with all the people problems and also having a newborn. And I realised how much people problems are like probably like the worst part of the other business. I I knew this, but now I was feeling the full brunt of it. And having that buffer there, 
having that person to manage those things with experience because otherwise you're problem solving for the first time every time. And this is just not what you're good at. Like I didn't start the business to be managed, like dealing with people problems. And a lot of counselling, like a and lot of it's counselling. She's like. so amazing because when she first started and I was like, look, I probably need your guidance and how to be a better people manager because I just don't like it. Um, and so you can probably teach me in, in a lot in how to be a people, good people manager. She's like, if you don't like it, don't do it. You don't need any direct reports. Just get everyone to report into like, and now like it's, we're doing like performance review time. I don't have to do anything. It's the best. That's amazing. I'm just so, like, How good oh, is that? Couldn't be happier. Oh, that's it. We need a P, head of P and C. Yeah. People and Can't culture. Take her. <laughs> that's exactly, Laura's been saying we should have that that person for a long time. Even just for things like culture creation and like, you know, even just, Reminding the team to get together, do things. I don't know. It's just it's just important. I think most importantly is building up a talent pool that's ready, so mm-hmm. that you can call, you know when when it is time for new roles or, or a team's growing, mm-hmm. that you can just reach out to this pool of people that you know all are great, and maybe one of them's available or whatever whatever it is. But so important. So that's obviously something you've done exceptionally <laughs> exceptionally well. <laughs> what about your HR? <laughs> Texting Wally. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what is he thinking? I know. How is that a good idea? And he was like, oh, <laughs> I remember like, because um, I think someone, someone else like a year before resigned in a bad way, not to me, but to like some other manager. He was like, I would never do that. I would never do that. That is so non. Like you would, I, I, you would, I think no one's ever said that to me. Like he of all people has said, you know, if I was ever not feeling it, like if I wanted to move on, we would just have a conversation and blah blah blah. And I'm like, next you minute, have had the worst the resignation <laughs> ever. Anyway, but um, staff, finally, I always, I always think like your team—they're like little angels sometimes. Like you know, you you you're desperately looking for someone, and you need the, you know, there's this big hole and there's this big problem. Like you find this angel that comes and like all of a sudden, like it's you know you're like, oh, I'm so happy you're here. Like that's exactly what we needed. That, that Like your team and the staff are the like, best part of the business but at the same time they're also kind of the worst in yeah. terms of like, you know, like problems and workload. Like a lot of the stress that you get as a business owner comes from the staff, not from clients or from the business problems yeah. itself. And so like it's this really How like, can you – I just thing. don't know how like sometimes I look at people and I'm like – how do you get by in your day if you're so bad at problem solving? Like, how are you here now? Like, how could you possibly make all these decisions? Because life is full of decisions, you, you know, all the decisions you're making in the day, small ones to big ones. And so if you're making decisions like, should I text my boss to resign while she's in labour or her, her, her partner? And the answer you think is yes. You need to reevaluate how you're making decisions. Yeah. And probably your ethics too. What are you what are you texting? Why are you doing that? Like there's other That's so funny. And where's your office now? So we are I'm office hunting right now, actually. Okay. We're in um Alexandria and we are I have looked at it's so crazy because like every other office I've like my house was like on the first day I went house hunting. And we looked at three houses, bought it. And then our first We've moved offices like eight times, just like Ken. You were in the city before. Yes. I've been to one in the city with a big rooftop thing and then I went to another one. Yeah, the roof. Yeah. Yeah. The rooftop one, we that was when we outgrew it because we went from 12 to 40 people and people were like, it was probably illegal that how much (laughs) – 
we, I remember there was an office that, you know, I, Joke and I used to be in this office for two and it became like the marketing room of eight people. Like, I don't know how we fit everyone in. Um, even like one toilet for everyone. No, it was one. Anyway, doesn't matter. Details. But so you grew really fast. How did you handle that? Um, was it stressful? Were you ever like, oh no. my God, we're screwing up. Like we're not able to get back to people or yeah. How, how are we going to, um, you know, your revenue's growing really fast. How are we going to manage this? How, like, did that happen or were you? It was like, it was fast huh. growth, but it was steady. And I think it's because it, it's, it's still ultimately an online business. So you're still running the one marketing function. You're still like the warehouse at the time we had a, three PLs. So that's like, and that's part of like it being scalable. I mean, now we have like our What's own warehouse. What's 3PL? Oh, sorry. A third party logistics oh, company. Okay. So yeah. that allows that to be able to just, you know, allows that scale, which is a big part of it, I guess. Um, yeah. So I, I guess the, I guess growing, I guess it was all right. Yeah, yeah. It didn't, it doesn't sound like it was that, it was that stressful for you I guess it was yeah. probably more exciting the more fact exciting that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> more stress when it doesn't grow <laughs> yeah exactly exactly which happens I mean has it what's what's been the most challenging time of of Shopo um oh it's got to be during lockdown when you know we're coming out of Chinese New Year which is when you're meant to receive all your stock um and we go into lockdown and we've all these sequence formal party dresses coming and we're like Fuck, no one needs these. Um, oh, there's so, no formals. Yeah, there's no yeah. events. We were still selling. I couldn't believe how many party dresses we were still selling, though, like relative to what was happening. What was happening? I'm like, why are you wearing this? Like, well, they're probably in not. They probably bought it at home. They're like, you know. Yeah. And people had more money because obviously some people out. lost their jobs. But, <laughs> but like, yeah, you're not going out. Your cost dropped at least 50%. Yeah. Like, you, you have no external spend, you're not going to dinners, you're not drinking at restaurants, you're, mm. there's no travel cost, lunch costs in the city at the office. Like, Yeah, but then there's also no um, spending clothes cost because yeah. they don't have anywhere to wear it to. <laughs> yeah, but they have more money to if I'm bored and I'm sitting at home. Yeah. Okay, I might go buy a $100 nice dress that I can wear when um, when I'm I'm already planning on going out. So yeah. I'm, I'm prepping some outfits in advance. And so very unfortunately that was the year – we previously always had like an active wear range, lounge wear range. And we were like, no, like, I think we need more focus on the business. So we're going to focus on like. Business wear. Like formal occasion. Yeah. We had workwear as well. And now we're like, it was, so it was our own first year. And you know, you have to plan these things in advance. It's not like we'll just like get active wear all of a sudden. Um, so it was our first year not having those categories, which would have been so great during lockdown. Anyway, so that really sucked. Um, and then, and then I think the lingering problem that, I mean, and you know, everything's better. We've, we've now got our activewear sweats and that kind of stuff. So you had to pivot and be like, okay, shit, we need to bring it back. To now be able to diversify the business more. Um, and, and to be able to now growth and invest in these like growth categories. Cause like, to be fair, like those categories started growing before, um, like, you know, industry wide globally were growing before lockdown anyway. So it's just like made us get into those industry, into those sectors. But the lingering problem that we still have is, um, freight because there's no flights. Everything has just gone up astronomically. Yeah. So the cost of like for us to get our products from China, to so your cost to, of goods has skyrocketed, basically. Yeah, and we send it to America. That's our biggest market. Now, when the customer returns it, it's like, are we in the business of moving clothes around? <laughs> like, or yeah. are we like, what are we doing? So, 
that's still kind of like a bit of a lingering problem. So your biggest market now is America. Yeah. Because previously it was Australia, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And so did you have to put an office there? Did you have to do anything or you just opened up the website to shipping to America? Yeah. It was yeah, as should. simple as that. We had a we had a warehouse there actually. We, like literally Dirk and I, um, who was our previous general manager, we were like, we need a, we want to grow in the US, we need a third-party warehouse in LA so we can send it really quick. And we literally the next week jumped on the flight for like 36 hours. We saw two warehouses and we were like, but this is like the – I think it's a flight where you arrive and it's like daytime. Like you fly in daytime and then you're yeah. like, we haven't slept. And so we're in these like three hour meetings talking about SLAs. I'm like, you know when you have to pinch yourself so hard so you don't fall asleep? So we're doing that. And then we, <laughs> this is how like startup we are. Then we stayed at like a hostel on Venice Beach. We go out till 5 a.m. And then we hop back on a plane and then we sign the contract and then Within like, and we're like, we need to do this before US peak. So we need to, so within three months we had stock in the US warehouse. But then with hindsight, it actually. Um, so you went there to get the warehouse basically. Yeah, with a, third, a third party warehouse. And we should also talk about Durka. Her, her name's Alex, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Because you've mentioned her a few times and I think she's a really important piece of the Shopo story and has been great help for you. But also a lot of business owners have, their Durka, yeah, <laughs> you know, have their like their person that's been with mm. them and helped them grow. How would you like? Why did you guys? How, what was the complementing? Did you complement each yeah, other's skills? Yeah, I mean, I've been very character? lucky that everyone that I've you know previously my ex business partner like also Waldy have these complementary skills. Like she's very like process driven. Like the thing is, I feel like if I'm speaking to someone else, I'm probably more process driven than them. I think it's also like all relative. Um, very process driven. And I'm like, act fast, shoot in the hip, like just do it. And then she was like, all right. And what did I say? Slow it down, pull it back. Let's just say, like, calm down, calm down. Because sometimes I'm like, I've already started actioning. Well, just like, whoa, 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 like pull it back. Um, and so I think it's a really great way to like, because then it's like, if I want to do something and then she's like slowed it down and thought about it and she's like, yeah, we're like, boom, let's do it. Mate. Having that, like, I think being able to have that, um, person to bounce off and to like, you know, build each other up. And so, and, and having that confidence to, to go for it. it. Yeah. yeah. And I think I'm someone, I do second guess myself still a lot and all the time, which is why I think it's also some, it's good to have someone like having someone like Durka back then we're doing something. I'm like, I'm not sure if this is right. She'll be like, nah, this is good. Don't worry. We're doing this. And then you just, you keep going, you know? And I think sometimes what you do need to do is to be able to like, you can't just like falter at the first sign of like something's not working. Like you want to be smart and pivot and not like keep pushing shit up a hill. Like if it's not going to work, but you. You can solve the problem. Something you need to and, like and sometimes make the commitment. So I think that's what really helps. Yeah. No, it's always, I find like, especially like successful entrepreneurs, they've like normally got like someone there that's kind of the yin to their yang. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's supported them. I like at Cub before we had, you know, people that could help me do that. I was treading water, and then all of a sudden, you have the right team. Like Anthony and Alice, particularly, have have been big levers for for me that have lifted me up. And all of a sudden, everything starts moving forwards. You know, like cause you have all the ideas and you want to do it, and then like it's kind of like okay, but you need someone to actually implement that and plan it and execute yeah, absolutely. it. Absolutely. It's just really cool to have that person. But we do have to wrap up. 
huh, I need to ask you one question and I don't know what it should be. What about maybe a greatest lesson in business? Like something that if someone said to you, hey, what's one thing um, that, what's one piece of advice you could give me? Mm-hmm. Just one. Do, what's do. one piece of advice you could give me in running my business, something I can implement in my business or something that I haven't even started a business yet, I'm thinking about it. What would that be? Um, well, my biggest advice is probably just to like get out there and do it. And we've already spoken about this, I guess. And I think that's like, that's not real advice. No, it do, is. Do it. Just start. What about like, okay, good advice. Like I think like it's just something, I'm just trying to think of something different to what we've already said, I guess. Is that like, I feel like you will have always, I think I think so much of this is a confidence game as well that you want to be able to back yourself and, you know, not to give up at the first sign of like things not working out. Um, and I think you may, especially when the business does get, have tend to have some momentum, you'll have imposter syndrome. And the, and the thing is it doesn't go away. And I think people think I'm just going to do this, prove myself, and then it will go away. But it doesn't because you're actually now competing in a bigger league every time. So your imposter syndrome, if anything grows, you're like, fuck, how did I get here? They're going to, they're on to me, you know? And what's that? So you get that feeling yourself? Yeah. And what is that like feeling? Like even is you're like- asking me like, oh my God, you know so much about brand. I'm like, do I? <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but what is, and, and what is that like? What's the feeling? Is it like, oh my God, like. You know, I feel a bit like I've this, created this big thing and like is it real that I did that? Is it fake? Is it going to fail? Yeah, what you, and you're like going through your head? how you're just more like how if people like people, when people ask you how did you do? I'm like, fuck, I don't actually know. <laughs> like it's just kind of like just been like day to day, I guess. And then just, you know, you're then looking at previously you've got these competitors that are like, are like now they're much bigger competitors. You're like. Well, we like we're yeah. there's these people in the working here. Where, like, look at their budget. Like, oh, <laughs> like you know, like. But you just got to do it. You just got to be like, don't worry. Like you've you've gone, you got yourself to it. Just one day at a time. Keep going. Back yourself. Yeah. And even the just start things that could be just start the business, or it could be if you come up with a new idea or something innovative or the next step for your business, just start it. Like, yeah, and then also like I just remember like back in the days, like going to things like a cub. You know, back in the days it was like a like a sem- like a you know, conference social, yeah. kind of thing. And like going there was when I met, um, you know, like going there was when I met my first little community of like people. I just sat at the back and like met some people, had lunch with people. And then like from one of them, I met Alex through one of them, who is the girl who, my, my general manager, that was Durka. That's right. <laughs> anyway, so it's like no matter what it is, you just got to like, you might not go to a thing and get the exact result that you're after, but you just, you do one thing. It's like it's like it's action like being will really create bad something. At, yes, you need yeah. to have a bias for action. It's like being really bad at golf. I think business is. You just gotta strike it, and you go. All right, that was shit enough. I'll just strike it a bit closer. It's still off, but you're gonna be a bit closer because you're, you're at better. least go the right direction. <laughs> yeah. Let's finish right there. That's awesome. Um, and to our listeners. If you want to uh, learn more about Jane, tips and tricks and favourite things, biggest lessons, go to the Shopo website. 
Swipe uh, up to shop, shopo.com. Swipe up to shop. Go to cub.club forward slash podcast and you'll find it all there. If you want to catch up with Cub on social, it's at Club United Business. And give Shopo's give Shopo, it's at Shopo, wouldn't it be? Yeah, at Shopo. Yeah, go to at Shopo because I've always loved following the Shopo Instagram because it's just so on point with their customer. I think like Honestly, Cubs Instagram could learn a lot from Shopo's Instagram. So, <laughs> so uh, I'm sure everyone else can. Jane, thank you so much, not just for being here today, but just for being awesome and for always there. Thanks always been there me. to so support fun. myself and Cub too. It's obviously very greatly appreciated. Thanks, Daniel. <laughs> awesome. Hope you enjoy the show.